Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the Jets' bounce back against the Wild, plus Bones calls the boys out, and a quick look at the latest trade news across the league. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here. A little bit of a, a little bit of a puberty moment in the intro there. That was cool. Uh, but excited to talk about the Jets getting back on track with that win against Minnesota. And uh, setting themselves up nicely for a pretty big few days ahead as they continue their uh, mini sort of trek through the Central Division. The bottom of the Central Division as well. So some uh, room for the Jets to catch up to Dallas and Colorado at the top of the division. We'll get into that game against Minnesota there. I mean, the main thing too as well is I think Bones has had enough. He's had enough of this. 25 games to go. Let's go, boys. Uh, so we'll get into that as well. Uh, to do so with me once again, CJOB's Tyson Rewiki here. Tyson, how are we doing tonight? Doing pretty good. The the most underrated part about a long weekend is the week after, where it's also where it's a oh, short week. It's so good. You don't even realize. Like, I don't. It's, it does not feel like a Friday, but or will be a Friday. But by the time that this comes out, but man, there's just nothing beats the week after a long weekend. Besides a long weekend, there's a lot of problems in this world. And I don't know if this would solve all of them, but I feel like it might. <laughs> Imagine if every day was a four-day work week. Oh, it'd be awesome. I feel like, I, I just feel like the tension would, I, every, like everybody's so tight all the time and stressed and like a four-day work week, like, it's just like, why can't we make that happen? I'd, I'd even work 10 hours. Oh, I mean, that's the obvious one. A yeah, I have, a, I have a buddy that has the option. It's like four 10-hour days or just a five-day work week. And it's like, this isn't even a decision here. Exactly. Uh, well, we'll see. Maybe we can make it happen at some point. I mean, Rewiki, uh, 2028, 20, 2026. There is zero chance I will ever run for <laughs> any kind of office. <laughs> Unironically, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want absolutely no part of that. The only thing I want to run for, um, or the platform I guess I would run on, is probably just to like rank the best snacks, the best <laughs> snacking foods of all time. We just crushed a decently large bowl a of what I think is the best snack food of all time. And that's just ruffle chips and sour cream and onion dip. It is. It's classic. Like, I, I don't... It's not To me, it's not even Mel Rushmore. It's just like, how, how could anything ever possibly beat that? Gold medal. It's, it's yeah, like so what, easy. It's what, just... what, yeah, I, I don't even, yeah, it's so easy. It's funny, too, because I... One time, tried to make like a gourmet French onion dip, and so I spent like an hour caramelizing the onions. <laughs> I bought brandy. I like deglazed the thing with brandy, like zested lemons, and like all this stuff. It took me so freaking long, and I finally tried it, and I was like, "This is marginally worse than <laughs> than the prepackaged like." dust the gray dust like the like vacuum dust that you just throw in a thing of sour cream it was so it was so humiliating like it was not humiliating it was just like what like there's no point like why even try to 
improve on perfection. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. That's one that it's just pretty, and it is hilarious. I'd never really thought of it that way, but it is just like dust and like looks like garbage. Yeah, scraps. Like, like, <laughs> what? What? it makes no sense. But you just mix it, and it turns into <laughs> magic. Um, we'll see if uh, maybe maybe Rick Bonus is going to try to find his own version of onion dip, like onion powder. And just try to sprinkle that into the Winnipeg Jets forward group, mix it around, and see if he can find a combination that works. Well, you, de- you definitely have to have some dip after his latest compressor to this this afternoon. Oh, he had some dip. There was there was a <laughs> there was a couple chips full that he had, no doubt about it. Um, let's get into that game against the Minnesota Wild. Kind of a weird one for me. Six three win for the Jets. Ultimately, up five one. Game over. Minnesota minor charge. And then the Jets ice it with the empty netter. I I don't know if you feel this way. And I hate when people say don't critique the wins. Because then, like, why do we even talk about sports? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, right? Like, there's, there's certain situations where I might agree. But you can absolutely critique wins and learn a lot from, you know, not playing your best and getting the result. I did not like the Jets game against Minnesota. And I think they were very, very fortunate to come out of that. I mean, up going into the third period there, I, I, I they were pretty handily outplayed by Minnesota, in my opinion. Five on five. The one nice thing about that, though, is maybe the power play owes them a game or two like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of nice to have the power play step in, get hot, and maybe against the run of play, pick up a couple big ones for you. And you're able to skate out of there with a win. So, I mean, like, that part of it's good. But as far as the Jets' play in that game itself, no. Didn't like it. And I think Bones was very adamant about that, too. Like, that was the... Sometimes it's easier to go after your team after, like, a quote-unquote bad win. And I think he saw the perfect opportunity to do that post-game. And um, I, I, I mirror his sentiment. I Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to write home about despite doubling up the wild on the score sheet. Yeah, and also, it's one thing to critique a win when you're on a six or seven game win streak. It's another thing to critique a win when you've just had your worst game of the season yeah. and you're coming off, like, you beat Vancouver, but then you're coming off before that one of your most inconsistent stretches of play. So I think it's more than fair to critique a win. And in a game where they didn't really blow your doors off, and I get it's a back-to-back, so that plays a little bit into it, but it's a back-to-back yeah, to yeah. Minnesota too. Yeah. And I just, I agree with you. I just didn't like... The one thing that really bugs me about the way that the Jets are playing, especially in the O zone, is that there's just no sustainability. It's just all chance. Like it's one great that done. yeah, it's great that you're getting chances, and they capitalize on a lot of those chances in that game. That's why they yeah, that's why they came away with the win. But is that sustainable come playoff time? Not necessarily when the games get tighter and it's more. It's a harder game to play. Tight checking, like it's going to be tough to get those chances come playoff time, and that's what we've seen with this team. For the past couple of years, and now it's rearing its head again, and I think it's you have more than a cause for concern. I think this is, I think you know the kind of combining the Calgary game and the Minnesota game here, and I think Rick Bonus kind of senses it too. Like this is actual gut check time for the Winnipeg Jets, and I, I think he's saying the same thing. It's like, who who do we want to be, guys? Like do we 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 can collapse again if if you want to do that, you know the, you're playing the last two games certainly leads to that being a possibility. Like, do we want to do that or do we want to be 
a legitimate contending team. Like, it's up to you. And I, I think I, I think we're going to find out a lot about the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe not in these next two games. You know, fortunately, I mean, and they can make ground against Dallas and Colorado, like we said. Chicago, Arizona, St. Louis on tap next. But Dallas, Carolina back-to-back. Jeez. I, I, I really think these next five are going to say a lot about what the Winnipeg Jets are going to do in the, in you know, the playoff push and then eventually the postseason here, because basically bones did like a mini version of his end of season rant last year. You know, he didn't quite, I, and I don't think he'll ever go as, as intense, even though he was correct, like as hard at his players, what he did there, calling them out soft, all that stuff. But he, he was pretty, he was kind of towing that line a little bit, right? Saying like, I mean, the top line, nowhere near good enough. Our play right now, nowhere near good enough. I'm going to be pretty worried about this team. It doesn't have to be 5-1 wins in these next three and then, you know, convincing wins over Dallas, Carolina. But the process has got to be a billion times better 5-on-5 five five than it has been. Because way too many lapses in, in, in coverage and focus. Some effort concerns here and there as well. Execution thrown on top of it. You don't want this to get off the rails. Like, the Jets should be challenging for the division title the rest of the season. Like, that should be the goal here. And I think after these next few games, maybe that Minnesota win not being their best effort might be kind of like finding a diamond in the rough where it's like, look, we can turn this into a positive here. Let's get our game back on track and do that soon. Um, If they don't, if they struggle five on five in these next few... I I I think it might be panic button time. I'm not going to go there just yet, but Bones has thrown down the gauntlet here, and it's time for the players. Like every, and we might get on Bones a little bit later in the episode here, but you know a lot of this is on the guys executing out there on the ice, and there are a lot of culprits that just aren't doing it at a high enough level right now. Yeah, and if anyone's going to know what this team can do and what the bad habits that he's seen happen before, it's going to be bones. It's about like just based off last year. Now, like you said, there are, there are some things that bones has been doing that maybe contribute to some of this play, but that's for later on. But coming up here, like this is the perfect time to kind of get on the guys too, right? Like you have that kind of three game stretch where you have some pretty easy competition. You build some confidence, especially like the last couple of games, the Blackhawks have played. They've looked absolutely putrid. Like they are really, really bad. And, so that's the perfect opportunity, and like you said, it doesn't it doesn't have to be, you know, blow them out seven nothing. Oh, we're back, baby! Like it could be a three nothing win where you just dominate all aspects of the game for a full sixty minutes, and we've seen them be, be, been able to do that this year. Like this team has the ability to completely shut down and dominate a team in a game. We just haven't seen it in a little bit, so it's it's fresh in our minds that this isn't that not to expect that play right now. They can totally turn things around here, especially with that extra day off in between two, not that one game on one day on game, the next day sort of schedule that they've been having the last little bit. You get an extra day of rest. You come in against Chicago. You just, you don't overthink things. And I think that's part of the problem too, is that some guys, especially Nick Ehlers. Oh man. That, I mean, I would just say the second line, well, Maybe not Monaghan as much. Yeah. But man, oh man, Ehlers and Perfetti were just like... Really struggling. They're just in their heads. Yeah. Like, especially Ehlers. Yeah. I mean, he was... 
that was about as bad of a of a game, and it was just it it was just like the skill part of it, like he losing the puck on easy entries, just you know he tries to take a clapper on an easy play, it's kind of bobbles and misses it, two on one back the other way for a minute, like it, it was. There was that one power play, I think it was in the early early second, but it looked like it looked like Space Jam. And someone took all his powers, yeah. and it was just like I don't know how to play hockey. Like there was, he was missing guys by like fifteen feet. He's just throwing the, like that's a. And Bones mentioned that he is has been dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury, and maybe that's from before when he was injured for a little bit. But it's it's just sucks to see because you know that he has the ability to be that game breaking talent. He's just not executing right now. Yeah, 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 and you wonder too. I mean, these guys are human. He's lighted it up on the first line. Connor gets back. You're immediately down to the second line for for no good reason, right? Like I, not not saying that as a negative towards Ehlers, but like that does that have anything to do with him struggling as of late? And then you've got Perfetti on the other side of him, who's what pointless in ten, eleven now, hasn't scored in forever. I mean, he's gripping the stick. He's basically praying that that anything can go in for him right now. So you've got both guys flanking the new guy that they're just fighting it big time. And and Monaghan, five on five, just hasn't been able to get any traction going. And that second line is still a big question mark as to how you get them going. Thankfully, you know, looks like Monaghan, the trade for Monaghan might have, I don't want to, you know, knock on wood, might have fixed the power play. Because that's, it's sexy right now. It's It's looking pretty good. <laughs> Um, but that, yeah, five on five, it's, it's been, it's been pretty rough for that second line. Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't really know what the elixir is for that other than maybe you just hope a lucky bounce gets Ehlers and Perfetti on the board. They find their game a little bit, some confidence, and then maybe we see the best out of those three moving forward. Now the first line is also in a bit of a weird spot. They have chemistry together as proven earlier in the season. They've produced at a decently high rate outside of that blip a week or two ago and they've been performing extremely well on the score sheet these past few games especially Vancouver they were dreadful against Minnesota taken to the cleaners a good I mean Minnesota's top line right now is is humming so I mean give them a little bit of credit too it's seven goals a game before yeah, yeah, that's pretty good pretty good line but there's a lot more out of Shifley, Velarde, and, and, and Kyle Connor. And I ate. I'll, I'll give Bones credit. Didn't like the way that he handled Ehlers and Perfetti. Talking about them a few games ago and their potential reduced ice time. I think a lot of people were on him about that. You know, setting a standard. Does that apply to everybody? He called out the top line. Well deserved. And that's got to be the way it is moving forward. If your top guys are at a lower standard than everybody else, your team is doing Zippo. But they've got to be held to an even higher standard than everybody else. And I think finally, maybe Bones, it was enough is enough here. And it's time to kind of crack the whip a little bit and get those guys going. Um, So we'll, you know, it's kind of funny too, Tice, because maybe quietly, I, I don't have a, I haven't had and I don't have a problem with Mark Shifley's game. No, I, I I thought he's I thought he's been really good lately, like, and there's been no real dips. Like he, I mean, he it wasn't a great defensive play against Calgary, but he was in the right position. He just you know didn't finish it there. Yeah, but like the efforts there, the battles there, intensity, 
compete level, all that, and he's still producing pretty decently, despite the power play being horrendous. To me, it's the two guys beside him that maybe Rick Bonus is more so saying, let's like let's get a little more here. Like you guys have a lot more to give at both ends of the ice right now, and you're kind of dragging down the guy in the middle. Well, yeah, I just wanted to add there too that I think Shively's covered up for a lot of their deficiencies in the in their own end, which is. If you would have said that at the beginning of the year, you'd have like, "What are you? What, what are you on?" Is there <laughs> like, a new Mark Shafley? <laughs> but he has, like, he's been fairly responsible. I mean, I mean, I, that like you mentioned that play against Calgary, it looks bad, but like he really hasn't had that those kind of breakdowns that much this year. And if every now and then it doesn't matter if you're Patrice Bergeron or whoever, the worst player in the NHL, like you're gonna have your lapses, especially if you're the worst player in the NHL. <laughs> but <laughs> probably well, or maybe you don't. Maybe that's just your baseline is awfulness. <laughs> But it's they need more from those guys, and they can't just be passengers on Shifley's on Shifley's way. Like they're like in the Minnesota game, Connor is the recipient of a really nice play by Velarde and Shifley to leave that puck. Shifley leaves that puck, yeah, allows Connor to kind of have that extra space just to rip that shot. But you you need both those guys. And Gabe, I haven't been a huge fan of Gabe Velarde's games the last couple. He he's and he's he, I mean he said that yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like you said that. But he's like, I have not been good. Yeah. So that's not that's not a revelation to him. <laughs> I think I, I I mean that's kind of the good like I think they're all aware of it. It's just a funk. Yeah, and it happens. Like yeah, I mean they're for the most part they're aware of it. I, I wonder about Kyle Connor sometimes. But yeah, it's it's just been too long. I guess is the the concern for me. And I mean, yeah, it was just a it was a bad game for the top six. There, there's just no other way that you can't sugarcoat it. They were just they were dreadful against Minnesota. Um, so we'll see if there's a bounce back in tune for them. I mean, yeah, like you said, perfect opportunity. Chicago will not provide much competition. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's going to be easy pickings there, but it's intriguing too because unfortunately we both watched Chicago play on Wednesday against Philly. I watched all of it somehow. But if you cheat on them, like if you cheat for offense, they've the one thing they do well is transition and get the puck in a counterattack going back the other way, especially if Bedard is one of the two players, right? And they could potentially hurt the Jets odd man rush-wise if they're just all offense, if they're thinking all offense here. So keep an eye on that. I don't think that's going to be an issue overall, though. I imagine the Jets kind of cruise to a nice, easy Friday night win. But this would be the perfect opportunity for a Velarde, for Connor, Ehlers, Perfetti. Just, like, let's wake up, get a cookie or two, and let's get this right before the competition stiffs up over the next little bit. Yeah, and even just to add on that, I thought that the Jets actually did a not bad job in transition against the Wild. It's more so when the puck was in their end that they really struggled yeah. and got hemmed in their own end. But off the rush they i thought they handled the chances like pretty well for the most part calgary it was a different story but at least like there's areas in that there's improvement in those areas and against a team like chicago like you mentioned like they are there's sometimes where guys there's two guys cherry picking at the red line and then there's like hopefully one of these guys chips it out we got a chance because that's how the only way we're scoring so you do have to be careful and they are they it's it's tough because you look at the calorie game and it's so fresh in our minds too that it's like, oh, I really worry about the transition there. But I think I do think that they'll be able to lock it down and you just 
just play a solid game against Chicago and you'll come away with a win. That's yeah. all you have to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. It's not even the, the to me it's more so what happens against Arizona. Yeah. On Sunday that'll be kind of the more intriguing part of this. Um so we'll see what happens again though. Not the best effort for the Jets, but hey, 6-3 wins better than a 6-3 loss. That's what they need <laughs> against Calgary. So baby steps in the right direction, I guess. Uh, quickly, just one last thing from the wild game I want to mention. I get two parts, kind of. But one has been kind of playing on my mind over the last little while. Dylan Sandberg's a hell of a player. He's just been... I haven't noticed him have an off game in a long, long time. And it doesn't seem to matter who his partner is, but it'll be a crime if he's not this team's second pair left shot defenseman next year. Unless there's some crazy trade made. But like with the current personnel, Sandberg's got to be... Yeah, LD two, right? He has to be. He's just yeah. he's the perfect fourth D man. Like that's yeah. kind of just what he is. He's like not the, the the defensive foil to a puck mover. Yeah, he's not. I mean, they don't totally play a similar style, but I could like in the mold of like an Eric Chernak on the Lightning, a guy uh, who's yeah, I, I can dig that. Yeah, like just a guy who's he's not gonna blow you away, but he's just a steady, steady presence in that top four. And that's what you need, especially. With the makeup of some of their defensemen in that top four, it's nice to have that calm, steady presence. On the flip side of that, and not really a positive, I thought Declan Chisholm looked really good. Yeah. Like, really good. Like, for a guy that's just got to a new team, but he's got power play minutes, he skates really well. And he was on the ice for a number of extended chances for the Minnesota Wild. Took a bad penalty in the game. But, oh, that one stings. Like, that one's... Logan Stanley isn't even played all that bad since he's come back in these last handful of games. But it's... That's... Man. You just wonder where this team could potentially be. Like, imagine having, just say, a, a chisholm Kovacevic pairing. And then, I mean, put aside... Perfor- if, I mean, Kovacevic is like a second-pair D-man right now. And Chisholm looked pretty damn good. But, like, imagine the cap savings on the back end you could have and then the potential to make big-time additions up front to the deadline here. You know what I mean? Like, it's, Yeah. That, that's, I mean, it's already, it's, it's, it's gone and done with. I'm not going to belabor that point. But it did just suck watching, again, you draft and develop a guy and then let another team reap the rewards. And and you see him, his work on the power play, and you just think, like, hey, maybe a guy like that could really help out an absolutely anemic second unit yeah. all year, where they, they really have done nothing this whole season on the power play. And that's a big, like, that's something I feel like we don't touch on enough, because the first unit was, you know, so bad for so long, but now that they figured things out, yeah. it's, it's not as much as an issue, obviously. But, man, that second unit really, they don't even provide like momentum it's just completely stand still let's get the first unit back out there maybe they can generate some chances for us like i just have no no hope whenever that second unit comes out now yeah well i think part of it too is ehlers and profetti are in a funk yeah no and totally. they, that's your power play yeah <laughs> it's so you have nothing going there on the set yeah no totally fair um but good good for chisholm i mean he's he's gonna be an nhler <laughs> there, there's no doubt about that he's gonna be you know, maybe the ceiling isn't sky high for him, but he's going to be a regular for, for a long, long time. Um, keep an eye on what he does with Minnesota as they chase a playoff spot. Uh, just two points back from Nashville and St. Louis for that final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. So we'll see if 
Maybe it's a, a Chisholm revenge tour against the Jets in round one. Who knows? Oh, my it could gosh. Potentially happen. <laughs> uh, quickly, before we wrap up the episode, trade talk. This is... Is this correct? Exactly two weeks away from the deadline? Something like that. Depends if you count the, the, the leap day. Is it a leap year? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there cool. All right. Well, you have to count Working it. for free on that day. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. There's got to be some... Yeah, okay. You, get a, you, you should get an extra day of pay. I'm going to call HR. <laughs> I'm going to call HR. They're going <laughs> to deny me, and that's probably fair. Um, but, I mean, two weeks till the deadline. It's creeping closer here. We are starting to hear some new names get into the mix. Um, and there's also a few interesting, I guess, tidbits or notes from other teams across the NHL as we kind of get into crunch time here. Decisions are going to have to be made pretty damn soon for a bunch for both the Jets and other contending teams. Um, but to me, the most in- intriguing name that popped up out of nowhere, kind of nowhere... It's a guy that I mentioned in my bold predictions. And these two teams are kind of the biggest newsmakers, Tyson, over the last few days. Do you remember my bold prediction? Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. I said the Vegas Golden Knights would trade for Pavel Buchnevich. Oh. And wouldn't you know it, St. Louis reportedly has him kind of on the block. The ask is high, but they're willing to listen on Buchnevich. And wouldn't you know it, Mark Stone is headed to long-term injury reserve. But before we opening talk- up some cap, interesting how those two things seem before, to align up. Before we talk about the actual trades, that they that has this has to stop. This is so crazy. So I don't know. Was it Saravelli? That's apparently a lacerated spleen for yeah. for Mark. That might be hard to fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if that's actually the case, like, okay, that's a pretty, like, I don't think it's, is a spleen an organ? Maybe? Yeah. Like, a, a cut oh, yeah. organ. Okay. That does seem pretty serious. Although I did see somebody mention that, like, Jason Witten did that in the NFL and he was back in two weeks. So, there's that part of it where it's like, you know, if you do have a lacerated spleen... You can take some time off, but I totally agree that <laughs> if it ends up happening that Mark Stone is able to battle back and he gets in there just in time, not not quite enough for game 82, but I'm ready to go for game one of the playoffs, the NHL needs to eliminate this immediately because that it, it would just be beyond, like you would, you would almost be at the point where you might have to asterisk it. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's bad. Like, to do it last year, he did have back surgery. It's kind of shady, but, like, whatever. He has a terrible... He has no back, and he has surgery on it. Okay. But to do it again the next year... And like, Eichel's out. And Eichel's out, too. Like, if... if yeah, that might be... Like, I, I think at that point, you'd have to do an investigation, at the very least, if you're the NHL, and then immediately, like, some kind of loophole right after that. Yeah, because, like, with a lacerated spleen, he probably does have a lacerated spleen. It's probably going to suck for, like, four weeks or over a month. But, like, there's no way that he wouldn't be ready for at least, like, the one of the second last or last week of the season. Like, that's, that's, that's such garbage, and they're... Like seven, the, they have seventeen million cap space. Yeah, how is that fair? They're just like it's it is a complete 
just joke of a system right now. And I think that there should be something. I saw some suggestions where, you know, maybe if you don't play one of the last 10 games of the year, you're not eligible for the playoffs. Yeah, see, it's tough, though, because, like, some guys do get hurt. And then it's like, well... Like, Vegas is just kind of ruined. Vegas and Tampa are kind of ruined for everybody else. I, I wonder if there is a way that you could do it where the amount of cap space that you put on long-term injury reserve ends up carrying over to the next offseason, uh, like a percentage. And it's like... They might have to do something like that because it's becoming... Yeah, you're right. Like, it's becoming unfair, a competitive advantage, and against the spirit of the rules. Yeah. And so that's, to me, the main issue there. Regardless of that, the ask, apparently, for Buchnevich is two firsts. Maybe something else, too, but apparently it's going to start at that. He looked pretty good in Winnipeg, I must say. Like, uh, to like we touched on, maybe give young Cole Perfetti, you know, reduced responsibilities lower in the lineup. And a Buchnevich Monahan Ehlers line, and you get and he's he's uh, another year after yeah. this. We should say two firsts. Going to be a little difficult because the Jets are out of one of those. But how about a Hab second and a first, and then maybe a B level prospect, Stanley Logan Stanley. Yeah, it's have to be more than that. Okay, how about this? How about this? Montreal second, twenty twenty five first, Chaz Lucius. Yeah. I think I jump all over that too. He is he. People do the underrated player thing, and they'll do Alex Barkov is underrated <laughs> as he's an MVP candidate and has won a Selkie or Jacob Slavin for the ninetieth year in a row, <laughs> yeah. top ten in Norris votes. Like to me, Bujnevich is actually has a case for the most underrated player in the NHL because he's very quietly been at the very least a point of game guy for three four seasons now. Yeah, he's a legit difference maker, young talented that's a guy i would be willing to break the bank for and he's not it's not like he's playing on a team with a wealth of talent either there's some solid players but i think buchnevich is the guy that kind of stirs the drink in st louis for the most part robert thomas is, is probably in on that a little bit too pretty, but, he's pretty good. but it's Booch is very and to think too like what he originally went for oh. the rangers just gave him up the Rangers just gave him up for nothing. Yeah, that was... It was Sammy Blay, and Sammy Blay tore Sammy his ACL. Sammy Blay in a second. Blay did not last very nope, long. Nope, tore his ACL, and then yeah. sucks that's brutal for him. But, like, that's you gave away a point-per-game player for no, literally nothing. And he's not, and he's on a 5.8, yeah. I think it is. Like, that's, even if they end up, like, I could see St. Louis retaining. And then, oh, my gosh, you get him at, my math's not great, 2.9. Yeah, like, yeah, I doubt they would retain though. I mean, just because the 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 return would be so much bigger. Yeah, and there's no real reason to because he's worth more than his cap hit. Yes. So that would, yeah. I mean, I, I people are like, oh, why would the Blues do that? Well, Doug Armstrong does that all the time when they're <laughs> in a playoff spot. That's just exact. This is the exact thing they they do do. So do that they... will be an intriguing one to keep an eye on. I, I don't know if Winnipeg's going to be in the mix for him necessarily, but. Colorado, I know Colorado's looking maybe more down the middle, but like the Avs are looking for an impact guy behind McKinnon, Ranton, and that would be a little terrifying. And there's some other teams that no doubt would be in the mix for him. Edmonton, that's pretty damn good fit in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 
I, I wouldn't mind. I'm still I'm still on the Jordan Everly to Winnipeg train. But yeah, I wouldn't mind going gourmet shopping for for Pavel Buchnevich. So we'll see if we'll see if the Jets maybe uh, tinker around there and try to find a way to make that work. I could get down with that. Um, any other trade news that we need to get to? Well, I think it would be awesome if Eric Carlson went back to right. <laughs> Elliot Friedman with a like a sneaky Frege bomb. Basically hinting that the potential is there for Carlson Ottawa reunite with Alfredson, who's behind the bench there, and I don't even know what that. Tra- I have no idea what that trade looks like. Well, David Pagnotta in his article, like a couple that was released like around like Thursday evening, he said that Josh Norris is available from the Senators Ooh. for the right price, but he'd only be included for a talent for talent trade, and. Josh Norris. Well, okay, time out, time out, time out. We d- we're not doing Carlson anymore. What about Perfetti for Norris? No. Really? I'm not doing that. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't like Josh Norris's game that much. And for how I think he's he's making eight, right? I'm pretty sure he's making eight million. Well, seven point nine five. Yeah, <laughs> I am. To, to me, like. Cole Perfetti will probably be Josh Norris with the potential that he ends up being even better. And I just, with that uh, much yeah. money, like, I, I don't know what his like no trade situation is. If he has one, like you'd have a guy locked up for a long time down the middle, down the middle. Injury prone though. A little. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Yeah, what? He doesn't have a shoulder. So what? <laughs> I I'm, I'm sticking with Cole. The only, I'm only trading Perfetti for Erasmus Anderson. Oh, yeah, that, that, that old garbage that we did last week. That was it. Anderson and Colvin and uh, Mangiapane and Dustin Wolf for Cole Perfetti. And... Hey, why not? Get it done. Let's, well, let's tinker, baby. Let's, let's find a way to get this done. I still think that Cole Perfetti and like a, a solid prospect and, a, and or that Montreal second gets a deal done for Anderson. And then boom, you have a, you have a two number one D men for the next three playoff runs. I mean, it would yeah, that that blue line would look nice. There's no doubt about that. That I just I don't think there's enough scoring in the lineup for for Winnipeg. We'll, f- we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, you better get figure it out. We got Rutger and Brad Lambert still in the pipeline. Nikita Chibrikov. Yeah, and you wonder too if McGrory's going to be like a kind of like mini deadline ad in a way. Yeah, he, I mean he's going to be a gamer. He's a gamer. Why, yeah, why not get him on? I mean, he, yeah, well, yeah I'm intrigued. I, yeah, that's something we haven't really touched on either is just the potential of McGrory to come in. And I mean, worst case, I think he pretty much drives a fourth line. Imagine though, like, if you, you put him on Lowry and, and Nino with Rutgers. Yeah, I know, that's kind of the intriguing thing. That's where it's like, oh. And then you could drive Appleton down to the fourth line where he probably is best suited right now. Yeah, and that's that that, yeah. that third line all of a sudden like has legitimate scoring potential. They have scoring punch now. Yeah, I mean, Maddie Nyes did that for the Leafs last year. I mean, he was more of a top six guy for them. Yeah, right. So it's not inconceivable that you know, I don't. Was Nyes a first round pick or like a mid? He wasn't like a high pick. Yeah, it was either end of first or yeah, or right. Second. So I like that's you don't have to be a Kale McCarr to come in and make a huge impact, right? Top of the draft. 
Perotti could come in and be a pretty significant ad for the Jets. Um, so that'd be nice. The other thing, too, quickly, while we wrap this up, with the names that are being mentioned down the middle right now, I, I won't include Josh Norris because I have my doubts that that's going to happen. But do you think the Jets, as it stands right now, got the best center in Monaghan? Because it's Monaghan. I mean, moving aside Elias Lindholm. Because, I mean, that already happened before the Jets could make a move, right? So, but Monaghan, Henrique, Lawton. Am I missing someone else down the middle? Not without, like, th- those guys have, like, legitimate smoke behind them. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, it, we, we'll do an actual, like, recap once the deadline finishes. Yeah, as of right now, I it's hard to argue. Because with those guys, I mean, maybe you get a little bit better defensive impact. Not necessarily defensive play, because Malmohan has yeah. has been solid. He has had a couple lapses too, but I mean, that's to be expected every now and then. But you might have a little bit more of a physical impact from getting a guy like Lawton or and like a chippiness to that game. But none of those guys are producing at the level exactly. that Malmohan's going exactly to. That's exactly it. Yeah. Not to mention, I mean, the team's biggest issue was the power play. Yeah. He has almost single-handedly come in, and, you know, while it's not just him, I, I want to ask. Hard, it's hard to ignore the impact. I want to ask you about that. Do you, is this, and I don't, I'm not trying to take away from Sean Monaghan, because he is the the reason why it is clicking right now, but is that, the like, the team getting a new weapon and kind of like, let's use this weapon? Or is it just, or, may, or has, like, the scheme just actually changed to now where they're finally clicking at the way that they want to click on the power play? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it seems to me, and we'll wrap it up quick here, but it seems to me like they've wanted to include the bumper a little bit more in terms of puck movement and, and things like that. Um, there's a lot of times just these short passes between him and Shifley. Yeah. Moves around the ice a lot more. It, it just seems like for whatever reason... They've put like an emphasis, I think, on the bumper spot, which Monhan obviously now incorporates. And I think too, there it, it, the one like there's that portion of it where Monahan knows how to play that spot, and he's been very good, and it's impacted the rest of the guys. But I think too, it's allowed Velarde to just solely be net front, and he is as good as it gets in the NHL in and around the net. Some of the plays he makes in tight with his hands is absurd. So it's kind of like a waterfall effect where you know like Monaghan comes in takes that spot great but then it allows the other guys to be better in their spots as well yeah and I guess that kind of just shows the I guess jamming a square peg into a round hole with I follow right like oh, where it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he just yeah. he just doesn't have that I don't want to say the IQ but just the instincts oh, on, he on offense he doesn't have the skill yeah yeah he, yeah, he, yeah no no there's no doubt about that so I mean that yeah they acquired him for a reason, and so far that reason has, has borne out quite nicely. But we'll, we'll revisit that once the deadline officially passes to see if, you know what, maybe for those that doubted, Chevy did as, as good as he could have done after all. Um, coming sooner than we think. Two weeks to go, according to Tyson. So we'll uh, get ready for that. We head into the stretch run here. Feb's almost done, which means March is right around the corner, and we're excited to get into the stretch run and the trade deadline almost getting here as well. But that'll do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to another edition of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, CGOB's Tyson Rowicki with us once again. 
We're back at it on Tuesday morning, breaking down the weekend for the Jets. Matchups against Chicago and then Arizona before they take on the St. Louis Blues. So we'll get into that and any, any other trade talk around the NHL that takes place until then. Uh, but until Tuesday morning, have a great weekend. Even though it's not long, make it long in spirit. Have a great one. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Peace.